Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Welcome back from the Bi Broncos Country. Your Orange Weekly team has been busy during this bye week trying to get you the best possible products that we could find out there and this week is no different as always matt will be joining me on another great edition of the pregame podcast as we bring you the pregame predictions for the los angeles chargers in la on this upcoming episode what you can expect from matt and myself we're going to talk a little bit obviously about the game we're going to give you a little bit of insight about how we think the coaching strategies need to change a little bit and what's going on in that locker room as well as uh, what we need to look forward to for the rest of the season. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and we'll get right to it. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man. Welcome back again, Broncos Faithful. I'm calling you Broncos Faithful because at this point, if you are listening to the podcast and watching Broncos games and still super enthusiastic about the Broncos, you are, in fact, a Broncos Faithful. Thanks again for tuning in to the Orange Weekly pregame podcast hosted by myself and Matt. Uh, We're coming off of a bye week, Matt. Is there anything that you think we should be expecting new from the Broncos coming out of the bye week real quick? Um, I don't know. I think a couple bruises and bumps and stuff like that are going to be gone. I think guys are going to be more refreshed and uh, ready to go. But I, you know, no coaching changes, no major changes on the team. So I think that we're still going to see uh, similar Broncos to the past games. But I think it's just going to be a bit fresher, more healthy, and uh, ready to go for this next stretch. Yeah, I mean, outside of the Demarius Thomas trade to Houston before you know the week before the bye week, everybody was kind of expecting a little bit of a some sort of change maybe in the off season or in the in the bye week but I, I don't think it really happened and we just kind of have to I think we're learning from our mistakes getting healthy and, and moving forward and now we get to move forward to an AFC West rival in the I'm going to catch myself a lot this podcast by the way Los <laughs> Angeles Chargers I know they've been there for two years but I still can't get over it uh, it doesn't sound right. Apparently, it's not it really going too well in Los Angeles either with the Chargers of tendons and branding and stuff like that it's just not uh know what they want it to be so maybe we're going to see another name in front of the chargers soon enough right i know and a lot of research is done too and i know both of us are you know going through school you're getting your master's there in um, sports management and a lot of the research is is pointing at what is going on with the chargers front office and what is going on with their their ownership um do you have any light on maybe why the branding has gone the way it has and and even though they're a seven and two and playoff bound they still can't get the attendance that they want yeah um well i'll preface this by saying like i'm not i'm not researching marketing and branding i'm researching leadership and sport however i have a you know, good marketing experience having a degree in marketing too and to me it seems that the chargers have just not been able to surpass the rams momentum the rams have come into the city with a new coach a new young running back a new young quarterback and they just blew open the gates with uh i forget how many wins they had last year like 11 or 12 and then this year they're nine wins already and they're just on pace to to be the best team in the league and i think that's the thing hurting the chargers the most you know they're just unfortunately the you know the, the the small fish in the big pond right now there's a lot of sports in los angeles a lot of sports every professional league has two teams at least uh, hockey's got like three in the vicinity even uh, you know in that area of the world like there's san francisco's not far right so there's there's a lot of sports in this little dense area and so the chargers are just unfortunately like the the last on the list 
um, for football at least, and you know, for all these other sports, I don't know as well. But you know, when you come into such a big market and you don't distinguish yourself as a, a winner, as a hopeful team, it's going to hurt your branding. So I think that's the biggest thing going against the Chargers because they have a really good football team. If they were the only sports team in another city, they'd be very exciting to go watch. But right now, it's Absolutely. it's kind of like they're forgotten. So you know, that's playing a big impact on on their ability to differentiate themselves in this market. Right. And, and I think if they didn't leave San Diego in the first place, I think there'd be a lot of rally in here in San Diego uh, around the Chargers. I think that there's a, there would be a lot of people that are excited. And, and more and more, I meet people when I ask them who their team is. Everybody, a lot of them here in, in San Diego are saying that it used to be the Chargers, but now they have to find a new team. Yeah. And, and it's because they felt betrayed by the way that oh, it yeah. all happened. And it was it was merciless in, in these like in professional sports team contracts with the stadiums in the cities it's absolutely merciless like these cities fork up millions of dollars of sports teams are just playing really hard to get because they're in such high demand you know as soon as they had an offer from la they could really demand anything they want from san diego and san diego wasn't willing to forfeit that that money the, the resources which is kind of good too because that's taxpayers money so you know if they're demanding too much it wasn't going to work regardless, but San Diego is the most underrated seven and two team right now. Like we never hear anybody talk about them. We hear about the Rams. We hear about the Saints. We're hearing about every other team in the league, the Steelers, the Pats, the Chiefs are the new hot thing, but Chargers are seven and two. That's awesome. Like there's a really good team here that nobody's really paying attention to. You know, they're a game or two away from being first in this division. You know, the Chiefs are first right now. So but, you know, like you said, nobody, there's no fan base, right? There's nobody to, to get excited about these Chargers, so they're just kind of flying under the radar. Yeah, and, and on that point, uh, I think another, another thing that they did wrong is so they're playing in the LA Galaxy, the professional soccer stadium up there, while they're waiting for this new mega stadium to be built for both the, them and the Rams. And uh, they're charging the ticket prices for their, for their games are absolutely through the roof. So yeah, I bought choice. tickets for my for my wife and I and I mean we're I, we're not even front row. I mean we're we're decently close to the Broncos sideline there, but we're paying 600 bucks for the two tickets. Ooh. Wow. And I I mean and I can get those in Denver, but that's different. Denver's been established and that stadium's amazing and we're not playing in a soccer stadium and I was just surprised by when when I finished buying the tickets that it was so expensive and that they could charge that much. So and you see it week in and week out in that that stub hub center that they're playing at right now, it, it's basically a, a home game for whatever visiting team it is. And it's every single week, no matter who they're playing. Yeah, that's a sad reality. I just went to the Cleveland Browns and Falcons game last weekend and it cost me 112 bucks tax included for two tickets. We were now we were like far back. We were in the 500 section. But, you know, those are great seats. First of all, you see everything. And, you know, the Browns are an up and coming team. There's something to be excited here. The Chargers are in the small market 300 bucks for a ticket that is is ridiculous that's and the th- the reason is because there's not enough seats right like they, yeah. they have to charge a lot for these seats because otherwise you know how are they going to make these these revenue projections that they have to make so they're, they're just stuck in this middle i think this large stadium is going to help them but i think it's going to be a very crowded market especially with the rams here and on top of it too listen the rams beat the chargers earlier this year Right. So right there is like beginning of the year. If you're if you're an average fan, like, oh, I'll pick one of these two teams. You know, the Rams won. They're exciting. So you're more likely Absolutely. to affiliate with them. And they also lost to the Chiefs the first game of the season. So the Chargers are realistically like they're up there. They lost to the two best teams in the league. Otherwise, they're winning. You know, yeah. so they're. But yeah, on that, I mean, let's, let's roll with that. So they their only two losses are against the top two teams in the league. I mean, number I, I think they, they just actually moved up, obviously, the Saints over the Rams recently after the loss. But, yeah. you know, the top two teams in the league are really the Chiefs and the Rams, AFC, NFC. And those are their only two losses, which is amazing when you look at the paper. But then when you look at who else they beat, right? Uh, it's, not, it's not impressive. They beat the Raiders twice, and they beat the Browns. They beat the Titans, the Seahawks, who we also beat, and they beat the Bills. And But other than that, they're, they're not beating... Super Bowl quality, Super Bowl quality teams, and and obviously no. we aren't either. But they're the difference between our schedule and their schedule is their schedule starts getting more difficult towards the end of the season, and ours starts getting a little easier. Right, and that makes a big difference. And at the same time, the Chargers have been affected by injuries for the past couple of years. Like 
we were talking offline, but you know, Hunter Henry, this promising tight end, he got hurt in the offseason. Um, uh, Joey Bosa, their best defensive player, has been hurt all year. Denzel Perriman, I think is the name, he just went down for the year. We we're just yeah, talking. He's about out it. with a knee injury for the rest of the season. They announced uh, Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, they, like they're they're struggling a little bit. Like they've got some good players, but they don't have their best players necessarily on on either side of the ball. Uh, well, you know, on offense they've got some stars, but on defense, anyways. So you know, I think the, these these losses, you know, the, the these losses are explainable, but these wins are pretty impressive nonetheless. And I think that the thing's going to hurt this, the Chargers is the fact that they have these injuries. But you know, they they're still they've been winning consistently, right? They they started at one and two. Uh, and then they've just been winning after that. So that's pretty impressive. Right. You know, they beat, they, they put the show on the Browns and the Browns are a team that should have a much better record than they have. And they've tied, they've been in many overtime games. So for them to come in and bully the Browns, that's pretty impressive. Um, and they outpaced the Titans. The Titans just beat the Patriots. So I think they're a lot better than we think they are. And uh, while well, the Raiders are a dumpster fire, so I'm not even going to go there. And, <laughs> you know, the 49ers, they had Jimmy Garoppolo when they beat them. Right. So the 49ers is a completely it's different true. team in that game. So realistically, you know, the Chargers are sort of in this awkward middle where they've had these big wins, but they're against medium teams and they lost the best team. So, you know, we don't know where they're going to be, but I think they could be uh, an AFC champion contender, you know, championship contender. I think they can they can make it to that level, but I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl team. But uh, yeah, they're playing the Steelers, the Chiefs, the Ravens and the Broncos twice next. So it's, it's going to be a. Uh, it's going to be a tough road for them. And the Broncos' schedule is getting easier. Absolutely. And, and you know, obviously I, I mentioned that they had an easier-looking schedule, but at the end of the day, the, what really matters, and, you know, Broncos country is, is feeling this probably harder than anybody else, is that win-loss column. I mean, we've the losses that we have are all last-minute losses all, other than one game. We've all had just last-minute losses, a couple of mistakes here and there that, that changed the game. But really what matters going into the end of it is, is that win-loss column was it a win or a loss? So, uh, good teams find ways to win games, and right now That's the it. Chargers are finding ways to win games. That's it. And I remember last year when we were talking about you know the the new head coaches for both teams, right? And um, the Chargers they brought in their coach from the Bills and Broncos from the Dolphins. It was this, you know it was kind of a novel thing, but you know Anthony Lynn with the Chargers, I think he's been doing uh, he's been exceeding expectations. I think he's got a good staff yes. around him. And I think uh, Vance Joseph, you know, is, we, we could call them almost rivals, you know. They were both new coaches, yeah. and I think they played in the same division, all that. And I think uh, Vance Joseph might not have been the, as good as we expected him to be, right? But yeah. Anthony Lynn, he's been doing a great job. And we'd be ignorant to think that they're not comparing themselves to each oh, other, absolutely. both getting hired at the same time, moving on. Same thing with Mike Shanahan, too. You know, yeah. all those guys got hired at this, the same year. They kind of took over teams. And honestly... Uh, Vance Joseph took over the better situation of the three of them. Yep. And in yeah. the three situations that you're taking over a Chargers team, a Broncos team who was only two years off of a, of a, of a Super Bowl win, uh, one year off a of Super Bowl win. We had one season after that Super Bowl win that, that Kubiak stayed, then we hired him. And the 49ers, who at the time were absolute dumpster fires. They still are. So, yeah. And, and, <laughs> well, without Garoppolo, come on. Um, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, fair. Uh, so so that, that's what... You, right. You'd be you'd be ignorant to say that they're not comparing each other to themselves, and and outside of that too, hiring agencies and, and the uh, the owners of all these teams, you can't say that those guys aren't being compared against each other. No, absolutely, absolutely. So it's I mean it's such a competitive environment that it's it's only normal to uh, to compare yourselves like this. But uh, nonetheless, you know all that to say, I think the Chargers are in a good position right now. They're playing really well. Um, they're going to be a tough opponent in this upcoming weekend. You know, because Anthony Lynn's got a pretty good squad up there. The one thing that we have going for us here is uh, is we are coming off of a bye week, so we've had an extra week to prepare. However, you know, I, I'm not sure what that really means, having that extra week to prepare. Obviously, our preparation has been under scrutiny for the last couple of weeks. What do you expect coming out of the bye week that this, the Chargers aren't going to expect? From the Broncos? Like, what can the Broncos do to surprise right. the Chargers? Um, well, I don't know. Like defensively, I'm not sure what they can do. They're going to have to be very, very disciplined given that Melvin Gordon is just, you know, he's playing lights out. He's doing really well this year. And they've got, you know, I think, you know, one of the best passing attacks in the league in their, their wide receiver, uh, 
core with uh, Allen and the two Williams. So I think Broncos are going to be really need to be disciplined on defense to maintain their responsibilities and keep these, uh, these stars in check. Um, offensively, listen, with, uh, with Perriman out with the backup linebacker in, I would run it up the gut. You know, I think the Broncos are going to do that. Royce Freeman's coming back. So I think it's going to be an opportunity to at least set the tone by running down the middle. Um, and you know, Philip Lindsay, he can he can bounce around and create that that, that change of pace. But I think that's what the, the Broncos are gonna have to do to start off this game. They're really gonna have to establish the run. Uh, their top tackler right now is Derwin James, the rookie safety. So if they can keep you know the, the ball within the box and move it that way and keep this you know just insanely good rookie safety away from uh, from the ball, I think they'll have a good chance to get momentum. But if they start passing and start throwing down the field early, like uh, Derwin James is going to be all over the place. He's he's playing really really well this year, so he's going to be somebody to to watch out for. Right, and and on their did not practice list for this week, as we're talking about Antonio Gates, you mentioned him earlier in the podcast that he's he's on the did not practice. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if the, how much of that is is due to age and just letting him taking a little bit longer to heal his knee up. Uh, the other one is Trevor Williams, their cornerback. He's one of their top yeah. cornerbacks. Is also out with a knee injury. Uh, opening up a little bit more for that passing offense if we needed to. And, and you know, we, we'd never really been a team that goes over the middle of towards that safety. So so what the safety decides to do and if he has a big game is all dependent on how we game plan for him, I think. It's going to have to be. But I think it really comes down to taking advantage of the fact that uh, the middle linebacker is going to be out. It's going to be a backup in. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be yeah, a big thing. I, Matched up with their already kind of porous defensive line without Joey Bosa you know we're gonna we want we still are without two of our best offensive linemen for the last couple of weeks we still are one of the best running rushing teams in the league so we have to stick to that stick to mm-hmm. that game plan the other thing i want to mention on the other side of the ball von miller is only one sack away from having 100 sacks on his career wow. so that's going to be a big game to watch for that and i think that this is the game he's definitely going to do it because the oakland raiders who have had a very porous time getting to quarterbacks in the past seem to pressure Philip Rivers more than we've seen in the past. And I think it has to do with that, that uh, offensive line of the chargers not playing very well. And I don't know if it was just that game. I don't think I've watched enough games to really see how, how he's doing overall. Obviously Philip Rivers is getting his numbers, but I think this is the game that, that Von Miller steps up, gets his hundred sack, you know, Bradley Chubb, continues leading rookies in sacks i think he's starting to lap other rookies defensive ends in sacks so i think that's that's really where the game's gonna gonna be decided is those front seven and i know we say it a lot we say it a lot in the front seven you know we, we talk great about the offensive line all the time but that front seven is on both sides of the ball is going to be what decides this game Absolutely. Well, I mean, to, to that point, though, the LA Chargers uh, have only allowed 13 sacks so far this year. They're uh, number four in the league for least amount of sacks, and they're up there with Pittsburgh, Indianapolis, and New Orleans. Indianapolis hasn't allowed a sack in four weeks. Off topic, but I think that's pretty impressive. For a team that has such a terrible offensive line last year, they, they haven't allowed a sack in four consecutive weeks. That is outstanding. Very, very cool. There's some good things coming to Indianapolis if this is becoming a trend. Um, but anyway, well, and, and Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck is coming back from obviously from his injury, and he's back in the running for for comeback player of the year. I mean, he's oh, absolutely great, and I think that part of that yeah. is because he hasn't been allowed to sack. Yeah, I think Frank Reich. You know, I was I wasn't too sure. He seemed to be like you know, I mean, given what happened with the the Colts nonsense and Josh McDaniels, I didn't know much about Frank Reich, but right. things are turning really well. I don't know, Colts are looking pretty cool. But uh, anyways, uh, Chargers are. Only have only allowed 13 sacks this year, which is pretty. Uh, that's pretty impressive. And then on the flip side, the Broncos set 28 sacks. So you know, the Denver's doing a really good job of it. Uh, but it's going to be a tough challenge against this um, tough challenge. Every challenge is tough. It's going to be a big challenge against this uh, this offensive line. Russell Okung seems to revitalize his career. Mike Pounce, he was a great addition uh, from Miami. And the rest of the guys, I don't know them very well, but uh, they seem to be playing quite well so far. So. Only good things are coming, I think. Yeah, so you mentioned that uh, the Chargers are, would you say, fifth in the league for sacks allowed? Uh, fourth, yeah. Fourth, fourth. However, the Oakland Raiders gave they sacked them four times, four times for forty yards. Hmm. Bad game. So 
and I don't know if it's a bad game. And, and, you know, we looked at the injury front. It didn't seem like the linemen had much fatigue. And Oakland Raiders are known for, after letting go of Khalil Mack, having a terrible defensive line that yeah. can't get to the quarterback to save their lives. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's a bad game. Maybe it's something that they did and, and we're looking at the film to oh, see yeah, to see what what they did to disrupt, disrupt that offense. Because it wasn't a huge game. It was 20-6 to six was the total score. I don't know. I, I think... Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are, are defensive weapons for sure. There's no doubting that. I don't think there's any, I don't think it's a secret throughout the league. I don't think anybody's like, what? You know? Yeah, of course. Um, no. We all know who they and, are. Right, but the Chargers are a passing football team and we do have kind of a questionable defensive back situation going on. Right. Uh, Bradley Roby will be back. I know a lot of people are probably booing that. Uh, he has had a tough year this year. Uh, Yeldum has been playing decent as far as as far as being a rookie coming in, but it's hard having one All Star on the defensive back when we've been spoiled by having two this entire year. So, or the the entire last probably four or five mm-hmm. years with the Keep Tlaib and Chris Harris Jr. So, it's hard I to think, come think, down from a squad like that. Those guys were really good. Yeah, and I but the one thing I want to see is I want to see Adam Jones and he's been playing a lot in the safety in the punt return and the and the kick return situations, but I want to see him step up more in the defensive back. I really, you know, I I've missed him, you know, I I don't think he's really stepping up into what we want him to be on the defense is as far as what we got him for and I think that's he's the one one of the people, one of the couple people that I want to mention that I think yeah. need to step up in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so the other person I want to bring up too is is uh, Justin Simmons is is our starting free safety and he's been playing very well. However, I think Suwa Cravens is going to start seeing a lot more snaps, Good. and I think I think he's going to start getting that uh, those looks that we really need. And Justin Simmons, don't get me wrong, I, I love Justin Simmons. I think he's he's been playing fantastic for us in the last couple of years. But I think Suwa Cravens is, is going to get a few more snaps, and we might even move Justin Simmons to another position. Put him as that slot guy, maybe, or the extra safety when we need him for the two two safety set. But I want to see more of Suwa Cravens, especially this week when we're playing a Chargers team who loves to air the ball out. Yeah, Suwa Cravens has got a great ceiling. I would, you know, he looked really good with the with Washington. Uh, his it's like two years ago now, almost when he got drafted um, last year with the injury, and this year he's finally coming back. This guy, he's very promising, very very good addition to the Broncos. So I hope he gets his form back. I hope he has a really uh, he gets more playing time because he could be a leader for this defense. Absolutely, and and so the other person on the defense, and every week we talk about the same thing over and over again. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, and I really don't care about it. Uh, Josie Jewell is another one of our rookies coming in. He has been playing great. He's one of our this this rookie class, and he kind of goes you know under underappreciated with guys like Cortland Sutton and you know Royce Freeman, and obviously Philip Lindsay. He is underlooked as part of that rookie class, but he's another guy that we picked up in that draft that is just playing amazingly. And and he's that inside linebacker that we've needed that can cover in the flats and mm-hmm. stop that run game. So he's going to need to have a big game in order for us to, to take charge in this game as well. Oh, absolutely. It's going to need to be a very big team effort here because, you know, like we said earlier, this, this Chargers team is not a pushover team. Philip Rivers is a very experienced quarterback. He's really, really – he's only got four interceptions this year, 21 touchdowns. He's completing 67% of his passes. So that's that's a really good quarterback. His receiver is Keenan Allen. He's, I think, 19th overall in the league. Tyre Williams is a bit lower than that. Uh, Melvin Gordon, too, is a great receiving back. Mike Williams. Uh, Will- Mike and Tyrell Williams and Keenan Allen are a great receiver trio. I like to see Mike Williams get involved a little bit more, but I think he's um, – I don't know what it is. He's got such a high ceiling. He could be such a good, deep receiver, but for some reason he just uh, he can't stay consistent. I think it's a lot of injuries for him, but – Nonetheless, very uh, very good receiving core. So this offense, and we talked about the offensive line giving up only 13 sacks in uh, nine games so far, which is outstanding. Um, so it's going to be yeah. a very tough offense to play against. But uh, to play against, but I think the Broncos' defense has the the people to do it. I think they they're very talented, and I think they're able to uh, to match up well with this team. So they should be able to neutralize themselves very well. Uh, I think the key aspect of this game has to be with the Broncos' offense against the Chargers' defense. I think that's going to make uh, that's going to be the the make or break for the Broncos. How well that side of the ball performs. I I think a big part of this too is going to come down to how we finish the game, and I think that's just been yeah. the 
storyline every single week in the Denver Post is how we finish the game. Uh, if we can finish strong and we can finish, you know, hot, um, then then we can we can win this game. But I, I don't foresee this game being a complete blowout for either team. This is a no. rivalry. This is a rivalry game. This is a, a game that. You know, Philip Rivers used to flip off fans and stuff in the, on the sideline <laughs> all the time. Like this is this is that uh, that rivalry. So expect a very close, a very intriguing game to watch and to follow, and expect it to be close. Let's get into probably our favorite subject, something that every Broncos fan is talking about, every news media is talking about, and the coaching staffs. I, I want to get into how do you feel. Being kind of by part, obviously you're a Bronco fan by just being on the Orange Weekly staff in general. By trade, yes, correct. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but I want to I want to hear your opinion. I think on the the Vance Joseph, how he's finishing these games and some of these decisions he's making. And I, obviously, we we didn't have a, a pregame podcast, so we can dive a little bit into this. But the the decision that to make against Houston when we wanted to kick the field goal from 52 yards, and we decided to not take a timeout, huddle up, run up the middle. Obviously, he got stopped for a negative two yards and kicked a 55-yard field goal to try to win the game as opposed to trying to give ourselves a better chance. What did you, what did you think about that coaching decision? Um, I, th- I think that it's, it's easy for us to criticize these coaches, and I think that in the moment, they went for what felt was the best decision at the time, right? Um, right. I reflect back to, so, you know, I'll, in, 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 in the spirit of being honest, I'm, I am a Falcons fan at heart. I have been my entire football career. Um, and I remember this, my, you know, of course, my favorite game ever when they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And, you know, they were marching down the field. They were in the middle. All they need to do is gain a few yards to then kick a field goal to lock the win up. Right. It was like right there. And Kyle Shanahan, the best offensive coordinator in the league at that time, just outstanding offense, decided to pass it. What happens? Matt Ryan got sacked. They lost yards. They had to punt it. And and the rest, well, was, you know, the nonsense that it was. But, you know, and I read a lot of interviews after and Kyle Shanahan said in the moment we gambled. It's what we thought was right. So I think, you know, Vance Joseph, it's the same situation. If he ran that play and they would have gotten the positive yardage and it would have worked out, he would have been a great risk taker. But since he messed up, then he's, you know, he's the idiot who can't do his job right. Um, With that being said, though, like you said earlier, the best teams find ways to win. And the best coaches are the ones that know when to take risks and know when not to take risks. And it's important to know the difference, right? If you're if you know when to take a risk, you have to know when to walk away and take the safe route. And I think Vance Joseph is maybe not as good as doing that as a lot of other coaches. So to that point, in order for the Broncos to come over this little hump that they have in terms of winning and building a, a solid culture like they used to have, I don't think Vance Joseph is the right man for the job. All yeah. that to say. Yep. And we talked about it on the last podcast too before the bye week about you know, we, we still think Coach Joseph is has a job in the NFL. We just don't think it's with the Broncos. However, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think for me the biggest part about this and I, I talked about it a little bit on the um on on our Facebook live shows, I the biggest part about this is I'm not upset about the play call. I'm not upset that he trusted his kicker because the kicker did make it the first time before getting iced. He mm-hmm. obviously missed it the second time. I'm not upset at it. I, I, you know, he has faith in his kicker that he can win the game. And if you can win the game right there, why try to be greedy? And, mm-hmm. and I get that. I get the decision. I get where he was coming from. And I, like you said, in the moment, that's cool. What I didn't like is I think, you know, we, we always call these uh, – we used to call them in college freshman mistakes. And I guess in, in the rookie NFL, mistakes. it'd be rookie mistakes. Rookie oh, mistakes. Yeah. So, so you have these rookie mistakes. And he's a second-year NFL head coach. And he makes a rookie mistake. And the rookie mistake was, instead of calling a timeout and pretending like he was going to, because uh, we had to, or pretending like he was going to throw the ball and try to get more yards and then run it up the middle, which would have been something that I probably would have done, he huddled up with the time ticking, brought it back yeah. to the line, which told the defense, which told the other team that all he's looking for is ball positioning for the kicker. Pretty much. It, 
and that tells him that hey he's going to run uh run the football on for yeah. the 52 yard field goal as opposed to trying to put himself in the best situation and play this chess you know chess game yeah. saying okay hey i'm going to call a timeout i'm going to go spread and then i'm going to run a you know a, a delay you know a delay handoff Absolutely. or a draw and and it, it obviously got it got stopped he got lost 2 yards and ended up costing mm-hmm. us as opposed to you know when we have guys like Philip Lindsay out there who can get us eight, nine, ten yards. If we want that, that's an extra ten yards. That's a forty-two yard field goal. It's pulled to fifty-two, and it's crazy right. how much of a difference that makes. Absolutely. So, that's that's the only thing that I have a problem. It was a rookie mistake in his second year as an NFL head coach, and I'm not on the, I'm not on the the huge Joseph. Obviously, I think Joseph is not going to last to the end of the year, but I'm not. I'm not on the fire Vance Joseph now, or I'm going to stop being a fan train like a lot of these. No. a lot of these guys are. Those crazy fans—they cry now, but they always come back. The next year we get a better oh, yeah. coach, and they'll be Broncos fans, diehard Broncos fans. You know what I mean? It's people yeah. like that are all over the place. But I think you make a great point when you said Joe, Vance Joseph's gonna—it's gonna stay alive in the NFL because, like, he's a young coach. This is only his second year. Like Pat Shermer, he was a head coach of the Browns. It's, he, he sucked, and look, he's got a head coaching job with the Giants, right? He's, I mean, it's a bad situation with the Giants, but still. You know, he, he gets a second wind. There's a lot. Of, Bill Belichick got a second wind. Look what happened. You know what I mean? It, like, it, it means nothing in terms of the quality of human being he is or his future in the NFL. The fact of the matter is it is one of the hardest jobs in sports to be the head coach of a football team at the professional level. You've got 52 millionaires that you have to manage. That's not easy. <laughs> Huge staff on top of that. And you have to manage your GM and your you know your owner on top of that too. Like it's a very big job. And he's just gaining the experience of it. And this year has been a tough one. Last year was a tough one. You know, like this guy will get a defensive coordinator job, probably coming out of this head coaching gig. If anything, he'll get a you know a defensive position coaching job and then the next year at DC, and then he'll be con- considered for a head coaching job if he does a good job. You know, this is the nature of the business. There's a lot of rotation. And I think that there's a lot of bright, young, I mean, Vance Joseph is young, but bright coaches coming out next year. Um, thinking about a guy like Matt LaFleur uh, for the Titans. Um, he's probably the next young offensive coordinator that's going to be becoming head coach. And, you know, maybe John Elway wants to try that. Maybe he wants to pursue another direction, you know. So I, I think Joseph is just in a situation where he was new, he failed. We've all been there before. I mean, he's just doing it on a really, 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 really big stage, so it kind of sucks. But I think he'll he'll, uh, he'll land on his feet for sure. But in order for him to land on his feet, we got to kick him out and get a better coach in there. Yeah, and, and the other thing, too, to mention, and this is something that he it was kind of – looked at pretty closely was that he only has one year in the NFL as a coordinator. He was a oh, defense wow, coordinator yeah. for, for the Dolphins, Miami. Yep. Yeah. For one year. And before that he was a defensive backs coach in Cincinnati for a few years, but he's only a coordinator in the league one year before he became a head coach. So there's still a lot. It's a huge oh. learning curve for him. Hugely. And he's, and he's doing a good enough job at it. He's won some games. He's just, you know, right. it's a tough position to be in for sure. And he's put the team in. He's put the team in situations where we're close and the games are close. But that inexperience is showing when it gets down to those last final five minutes of the game to try to win it and see what happens. And I think that's that's what it's coming down to. um, None of the guys, you know, even uh, the the coordinators, they're all young. And I think that's something that gets overlooked. Our our entire coaching staff is still pretty fresh and it shows. And I think that's yeah. I think that's what our biggest problem is this year, and why everybody is up in arms about firing all these coaches and stuff. It's not it's not because they're bad coaches, and yeah, everyone can point. Oh, look at his record; he's terrible. Like that's that's a different that's a different thing. Um, obviously, records definitely show, but he's kept our team in competitions where sometimes we had no right to be. There's been times where we've had 75, 80 yards and personal foul penalties for no oh, reason. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, but yeah, but the discipline falls under the head coach, you know, and it's these little yeah. things that I think he hasn't been really able to uh, to translate with his team. Um, yeah, so like, how old is Eventually, if he's like you know forty six years old, so you know he, he's still young. A lot of these players aren't that far removed from him in the sense that you know they're they're you know some of them in their thirties and forty six is kind of like the new thirty six. Like you know what I mean? It's it's just a different <laughs> sort of culture. So. You know, I think he tried to be a certain player's coach. Try he maybe tried to appeal to everyone, and that kind of creates a lackadaisical environment, and that's where penalties and lack of discipline f- fester. You know, and that's where the this the 
when you lose the need to win. You know what I mean? We kind of get comfortable and you're okay with win or lose because that coach is going to be fine with us. You know what I mean? It, it just kind of allows a little bit of comfort to settle in. And at that high level of competition, that can be uh, you know more toxic than an aggressive personality. Right. So I, I think it's just a matter of the slow plane, a, a different culture than, you know, John Elway expected that was going to come out of Vance Joseph. Um, but again, I mean, you know, he, he should go back to coordinating for a few years, get more experience and give us another shot because he's got a good personality and he's got a bright future in the NFL. And he's only 46. Absolutely. That's still young at, for a head coach. I mean, other than like a Sean McVay, but look at the other best head coaches around their 60s. Right. Well, and, and I wanted to bring up Sean McVay, too, is is. I, I'm a firm believer that if you have a young and not not just young, young, young isn't in the league, right? An mm-hmm. inexperienced. If you have an inexperienced head coach, you need quality experienced coordinators. Absolutely. If you have an experienced head coach, then you you can have inexperienced coordinators. Look at Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick oh, yeah. every year, every couple of years decide that he brings in new coordinators. And sometimes they do well, and and you know sometimes they do terrible as head coaches. Yeah. But he, every year he can bring in someone new, and he can still turn them into a great a great football team. And look at Sean McVay, right? So Sean McVay is running that offense, so their offensive coordinator is kind of out. But then he has, brings in Wade Phillips, yeah. probably the the most experienced defensive coordinator in the entire league, oh, and they're yeah. doing great because Absolutely. they have that balance. Yeah. And we don't have that balance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they might have tried to do that with Bill Musgraves. He's a 20-year vet in the NFL, and he's got you know, a lot of offensive success as well. By the same time, Sean McVay completely gave the control of the defense to uh, to Wade Phillips. He said, it's your defense. You do what you want with it. You know, I, I, you're the head coach of the defense. And Wade Phillips, like, he, you know, the, the, they have a great respect for each other. And you know, Sean McVay's still the boss. But at the end of the day, that sort of delegation created the ability to have that system. You know, to have this sort of culture. Um, I don't know if Vance Joseph did that with Bill Musgraves. You know, I, we don't know where that is, right? So it, it's hard to tell really with the cultures. We're not there in the meetings and behind closed doors. It'd be cool if we were, right. but uh, they wouldn't yeah. be letting us talk about it anyways. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think you're right in the sense that, you know, the, the coordinators, especially if you're fiercer head coach, you need to have really well-established coordinators. And I think a big issue with the Broncos is there may be a – mentality different philosophical difference between Vance Joseph and uh, Joe Woods you know I think that might be where a lot of strain is coming from and the same time Bill Musgraves is doing a pretty good job considering that he's got Case Keenum as you know as the quarterback right so he's trying to play to Case Keenum's strengths and 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 make the most out of him right he's got a good running game but Case Keenum's not Peyton Manning right he's he's not even Jay Cutler I don't think personally I think Jay Cutler's a way better quarterback than Case Keenum is so you know what? Uh, well, I mean, he had he had a higher as a human being. Joe Joe Cutler is an interesting character, but as a quarterback, a cannon of an arm. He was still mobile. You know, when he was hot, he was really hot. He just um, he wasn't hot very often. Um, but you know, still, right? I, I think that you know Bill Musgrave is given a bit of a better quarterback would have you know a more dynamic offense. Uh, you know, so I think it's just kind of like a weird little mix. Uh, of personalities that don't really fit well together. You know, the system mix isn't there. So I think that's what's really hurting the Broncos in the long term. So John Elway, if anything, John Elway should always hire a GM and start stepping back. We don't want him to turn into an ex-Jerry Jones. <laughs> hey, don't don't you say that. You, you don't say that. John Elway's um, a great, great person, but I just I don't want him to turn into Jerry Jones because Jerry right. Jones, if he could play quarterback, he would. Let's be honest. Right. And- and I don't think Elway's turning that way. I think he's made a couple mistakes, but he's also made a lot of uh, good he's calls. He's made great in the decisions. Past few years. Oh, absolutely. He's made some All great right. decisions. So, but hey, Jerry Jones won uh, three Super Bowls. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's true. Anyways, I, the one thing before we move on to our score predictions, the one thing I wanted to mention is that you know Bill Musgraves doesn't get a lot of credit because yeah. our, sometimes our offense seems so terrible, and there's certain decisions and and uh, turnovers that just seem to happen, but. It's really tough being an offensive coordinator that has to go through a quarterback controversy every year, and then finally we get the one guy that we think is going to be it, and those interceptions that he's throwing every week is not the coordinator's fault. Absolutely not. You know what I mean? So it seems like sometimes the coordinator makes some crazy decisions, but this goes back to what you said too, right? Like if 
if you are taking, at least you're taking the risks. If you take the risks and sometimes they don't work out and you look like a bimbo, sometimes they work out and you look like a genius. And with, with the people that we've had so far and the very limited amount of time that he's had with these guys to be able to train them and put them into his system, it's been difficult and he hasn't been doing very well. And it doesn't help that Case Keenum is throwing an interception every game except for the last one. So yeah, that's definitely another coordinator's fault. You know, it's just yeah. the reality of the situation. But, you know, it's – again, I think it's just a, an improper mix. It's, the culture is not really, really there for the Broncos, and I think right. it merits a change right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the deadline. That's the dead. That's the best statement I've ever heard. I'm going to tweet that on the Orange Weekly. <laughs> the culture in Denver is not the same. It needs to change because it doesn't have an identity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I There's think just that's – there's that's no clear leadership. There's no clear leadership, and that's what's really hurting the team. To get over that's that hump, right? There's nothing to play for. So, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, that being said, let's go ahead and go into our predictions before we get to the Orange Weekly staff, as we do every week. Matt, what are you thinking for this game against the Chargers in L.A.? Well, you know, you're not going to like my pick. I'm warning you now. I never um, do. But right, but you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because uh, at the end of the day we're football fans here. And uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the best football, you know, guess I can have. And I'm gonna say the LA Chargers are gonna win this. Um I'm gonna say it's gonna be pretty close to their average points, and it's gonna be uh, about twenty-seven to twenty-four. It's gonna be a tight one, like you said, but I just think that the Chargers are gonna be able to outpace this the Broncos coming off their bye week. Especially playing, uh, you know, in, in their sort of home area. I I also think this is going to be a close game. I think you're right, and um, I think that this is as you were saying, this is going to be a, a home game for the Chargers. It is a home game for the Chargers, but I fully expect myself included there to be more Broncos fans at this stadium that oh, are going to yeah. be louder than the Chargers fans. So this is really going to be a Broncos a Broncos home game. And uh, I think coming off the bye, which sometimes we've been pretty decent at coming off of long of long weeks, is we're going to start off hot, and I think we're going to score two touchdowns right off the bat. And I still think it's going to come down to the wire. I think I think the final score is going to be twenty four to twenty one for the Broncos. And I okay. here's my bold prediction: I think the Broncos are finally going to be able to close a game to get ourselves in the field goal range and win the game by a field goal. Good call. I like it. Yeah, and and I think not only are we going to be able to do that, but also a little bit of me is hoping that that happens because that'll change that momentum. That'll change the, okay, hey, this is how we close games. Let's remember that. <laughs> like, let's remember yeah. that we know how to how to drive down the field and, and, and make these uh, crazy plays. Also, someone I didn't mention, um, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. I was like, I need to mention this in the podcast, and we didn't mention it at all, is uh, <laughs> I think Tim Patrick, he was our fourth, basically, four-string wide receiver beside Deshaun Hamilton, is going to get a touch- another touchdown. And oh, I nice. say this... I say this because you have our top two guys and having this much time in the offseason, I think they're going to remember how to use those slot guys more often. And I think that's, that's going to be the guy. I think uh, Tim Patrick is going to get another touchdown also because I'm a big fan of his and I think he's going to have an amazing career. I want to see it in person. Yeah. yeah also absolutely. let's remember he is a California guy. He's a California kid. So he's kind of coming back home to play against his, childhood team too so that's another thing that i think that'd be huge for him to get a touchdown so that's something to said with that being said let's go ahead and push it to our the rest of our orange weekly staff who sent in their predictions to us go ahead and take it away guys hey broncos country this is david from the beers broncos and no bs show coming out of the bye week it doesn't get any easier for us we've got the hot chargers right now they're running seven and two and it's going to be a tough game broncos country i think we can play them close um, but again i think we're probably not quite up to snuff to beat this kind of team i'm going to call it 27 to 20 chargers as always go broncos 
Hey guys, Kev Dan here, and Jared, before I even listen to your score prediction, I know exactly what you're going to say, and sorry man, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. Look, Broncos are 0-4 and on the road since Vance Joseph uh, took over last year, playing divisional opponents. We are 2-10 and on the road. I believe that we're going to play up to the Chargers level like we seem to do. We like to play up or play down to whoever our opponent is that week, uh, but I just do not think that it's going to be enough for us to be able to pull out a win in L.A. So my score prediction for this week is Denver 14, Chargers 17. Go Broncos. Take care, guys. Hello, Broncos fans. This is Jason from Orange Weekly After Dark. Welcome back from the bye week. Uh, going to be a tough matchup against the Chargers as usual. Should be an entertaining game. I think the Broncos are going to be a little bit healthier and fresh out this bye week. Uh, hopefully able to use that for their own benefit. So it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a close one. But I'm actually going to go with a Broncos victory here. 24-21 uh, to 21 Broncos victory. Broncos country, this is Tanner Lee, host of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Our Broncos are coming off a bye week. Hopefully they're all rested up and ready to go and prepared to take on crybaby Philip Rivers and those pesky L.A. Chargers. It's going to be a tough one in that crackerjack box of a stadium, even though I think it'll be mostly filled with orange. Uh, you know I'm going to take the Broncos in a close one. Let's go by a score of 27-24. Thank you to the Orange Weekly staff for those stellar predictions. Those were awesome predictions. I'm glad we're finally picking the Broncos to win games. We're going 10-6 and six for this season. Mark my words. Actually, don't mark my words. Don't hold me to that, please. Don't Please don't hold me to that. I'm calling um, my lawyer. If you don't call me, yeah. I'm, sure I'm calling my lawyer. Yeah, put it into writing at this point, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this Dang it. Paper. I, knew th- I knew this would go to a legal battle. I know, man. Um, Vegas is going to start making their, uh, their odds based on your predictions. Oh, well, hey, hey, that'll be great. Everybody can bet against us. And we'll, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> people will make a lot of money. I'll be the most famous man in Vegas at that point. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Hey, if you guys have any comments, you know, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear on these podcasts, please hit us up on the Facebook. We have facebook.com slash Broncos Orange Weekly. And we have on that site, on the Facebook page, we have multiple live videos. We do a live video every Monday night for the late night show. We have Tuesday night, which is our flagship night, which is we do uh, beer Broncos and no BS. And then every night throughout the week, you have different options to be able to call in, comment, let us know. We are a fan-based community that really wants to hear what you guys have to say and and really wants to have that conversation with you guys. We want to hear what you guys have to say on those. Don't forget to tune in on the Broncos halftime report when we do the halftime hash. I'm pretty sure I'll be helping out with those halftime hashes and the pregame show live from StubHub Center there in LA. So please join in. Also, if you're going to the game, make sure you hit me up. If you don't hit me up, you can find me on that Facebook site. Go to that Orange Weekly Facebook site. I'm sure I'll I'll see it eventually and, and let me know. Also, I figured out how to use Twitter, and I think I gave my wrong Twitter name last year. Like, oh, like that's how nice. bad I am at that's how bad I am at Twitter that I don't even know what my own name is. You should just give up, man. Just, just I, sh- well, I know, should call it a day. You're too old for this. You know, you're too <laughs> old for social medias. This is a a young person's game. I don't even hey, have don't, Twitter, man. I'm too intimidated by it. Hey, Wade Phillips has a Twitter. And if Wade oh, Phillips God. has a Twitter, I'm not too old for Twitter, all right? Oh, my God. Wade Phillips is like 206 years old, too. Well, you should, you should you learn how to use Twitter. I, 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 also feel, I also feel he probably has paid someone to do his Twitter for him. I don't think he oh, does it himself. Oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea, man. Ask your wife. Does, uh, does your wife have Twitter? Yeah, I don't think she does, but I, I think she's like you. I don't well, think she definitely she, does, then. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think she enjoys it. I don't think she understands it any yeah. more than I do. Yeah, no, my girlfriend hates that stuff, and I'm kind of grateful for it. You know, I'm grateful I'm not with someone who's like always on Twitter or social media. It's nice, you know. But yeah. to that point, I also feel completely disconnected from the world. You know, I hear news <laughs> like I have, I have two seminars now, so I have like 40, 20 year old, 19, sorry, 40, like 18 year olds that I, I talk to every week and I, I teach and they present and stuff like that. And like they, they'll talk about stuff, and I have no idea. I'm so <laughs> under like a rock with most of life because I don't have most of social media, so. That's the way, the way she goes. Like going, man. I, I know, I know, but I just can't keep up with it. I'm too old.
Right. And at this point, all I follow is like is football stuff. So (laughs) that being said, I'm I'm looking it up right now. This is like I should put on my glasses and push them closer to my face to make sure I know it's at Coach Jared E. And that's my uh, that's my Twitter handler. I have five followers. So uh, (laughs) so I'm I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. But I I am going to be a little bit more active on the Twitter scene because apparently if you're going to do podcasts and whatnot, I guess you should be out on social media should promote yourself, yeah. Go figure Promoting right. yourself, yeah. So don't worry. Between the two of us, I'll do all the promoting, Matt. That's okay. I'll, I'll carry the weight on this one. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll bust out the old uh, the old smartphone here. Maybe I'll, I'll start something. We'll see. Oh, yeah. To, to be continued. The old, the old iPad. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me flip phone here. Does yeah, Motorola have Twitter? The yeah. Razor. We got to bring out the, the ra- Razor. <laughs> Man, the, radio was, the Razor was the coolest phone. The coolest <laughs> phone when you were in high school. Oh. All right, well, besides having a razor in high school, we appreciate you guys listening. Thank you, Matt, so much, as, as always, for joining us. And, you know, we really appreciate when you guys listen in. And we, we do this for fun. So please let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you don't want to hear. Go on and comment on us. And so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and take out, as we always do, with a huge Go Broncos, let's beat the Chargers. Take it away.